Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. It was, uh, it was like one of those really eerie fogs uh, as you watch it start to creep its way up over the riverbanks and down in it. As it fills the valley that night, you look up and you see like one of those moons. You know those moons that you just are like spooky. And as I follow this, the camera follows this fog as it breaks over the top of the hill. You begin to see it. They, they begin to appear. There's one on top of the other, just only inches away, built out of bricks and mortar and mud and adobe and with thatch roofs, houses upon houses upon houses as we get closer into the city. As the fog draws near and begins to set in that place, it comes upon this huge wall. As the fog crawls over this wall and drops down all of the old ivy that's grown all over it for years, it comes and it breaks through these beautiful marble gigantic pillars, makes its way up. The camera makes its way up to the second floor where from outside we can see the purple fabric blowing back and forth as the cool and the warm air suck it back and forth. And as we draw closer, we see it's got to be the biggest bed in the nation. We see this man laying on the sheets. As we draw closer, you can see something's going on. Something's not right. You can see the beads of sweat on his forehead and on his brow, gathering together and making more as they drip down. You can see his arts, his eyes dart, darting back and forth. Something's going on in there. Even though I was ready for it, <gasps> he sits up. I, I knew something was going to happen, but it still kind of got me. As he looks around the room to figure out what had just happened, he had woken up from a nightmare. Not a normal nightmare. This one, was, this one had his heart really going. He's going to need to walk this one off. He wasn't going to fall right back asleep. So he walked out onto the porch that was just and only his. As he looked over this nation, his city, he saw that spooky moon. Let the coolness of the fog and the breeze begin to evaporate the sweat on his brow. He eventually made his way back inside to his bed. Where the body is desperately in need of rest, eventually they'll find it. As he's laying there and his eyes grow heavy once again, he's able to finally fall back asleep. And yet, it happens again. Another dream that has really become a nightmare. This time when he wakes, he won't be going back to sleep again. This time when he wakes, he's going to gather the best of the best the smartest in anyone, and pull them together to figure out what is going on and why. Because he won't sleep another minute until he does. This takes us to a story that will rock not only this nation, the highest of the highs, but yet even to the depths of the dungeons. Where one guy's search for an answer this morning might be yours. I don't know what gives you the opportunity to lose sleep at night. I don't know what dreams or nightmares you may be having, but this morning, friends, if you're here, I want you to find some sort of connection with this story for the dreams that you have and understanding the answer to that. It takes us to uh, the story uh, in Genesis chapter 41 is where we're going to be today. And uh, if you guys want to open up your Bible there, if you have one, there's one next to you. If you don't, 
Uh, you can pull out your iPod, your screen device, however you get your word, you can get it. Um, we're also going to put some stuff up on the screen for you guys. And see, we've started this story, God's story, in the beginning of the creation. So I'm going to catch you up as we finish up Genesis this morning. See, it starts out with this. God, God made creation. Well, like, there's proof of it. He made it. Uh, he wanted it. He made it in his image. And then as we continue to go through the story of Genesis, we see that there's brokenness, that we messed it up. Uh, we made it bad. Uh, but he still has this desire to be with us. He doesn't want to be a distant God. He wants to walk with us. He wants to do life with us. And we come to the end of this book where thir- the last 13 chapters, 25% of this book of Genesis, is dedicated to one guy's story. That maybe if you've decided to do this life and this Christianity, maybe if you actually followed that route, this might be what it actually would look like. See, it didn't start out the best of ways when we get to chapter 37. And 38 starts out with a boy, a 17-year-old boy. You've been there, right? You know what kind of trouble this is. This is a know-it-all. This is Joseph. Joey, he knows everything. And he begins to open his mouth about how he knows he is. He's the best. He thinks he's the best. Not only does he think it, he's got dad backing him up. And he's got brothers. He's got 10 other brothers who are older than him. Brothers that are in their 30s and even 40s. Uh, that he's like, hey, I'm better than you, and I'm going to prove it, and I'm going to show it. And eventually what we see start to happen is that he starts opening his mouth and giving lip service to his brothers and letting them know that I'm awesome, I'm better than you, and even one day you're going to be bowing down to me because I'm the man, 17-year-old, real smart. So on the third day, he finally goes back out to his brothers. They're not prepared for the lip service that day, and so they decide uh, we're going to get rid of them. So they get rid of him. They don't even just get rid of him. They end up selling him into slavery to some people on their way into Egypt. He says, that'll really get rid of him. They go back to dad and say, dad, sorry, Joey died. <laughs> Show him his jacket. It's got blood on it. It was like super sad, I know. Bummer. Uh, and Joseph is now in Egypt and at 17 is a slave uh, in Egypt. Gets sold and starts working for the captain of the guard named Potiphar actually rises up, and for the, it's the best of the best of situation you can hope for in that time, and uh, is in charge of his whole household until one day uh, Joseph uh, catches the eyes of Potiphar's wife, and uh, she decides she wants a little bit of Joey too. And uh, he says, no, that's not right. That's not okay. And she says, no, it totally is. I'm kind of like the boss's wife. Um, you're going to give me what I want. And he's like, no, it's just not right. That's not how it's supposed to work. So she screams rape. And next thing you know, he's in a whole lot of trouble again. He didn't do it, but he's in jail. So now he's in jail. (laughs) Super awesome. Hanging out. We catch his life as he sits there and he spends much time there. But he rises up again in this situation. God's trying to take care of him and through the midst of this. And he's trying to grasp onto this stuff. And we see that uh, one day in jail, there's two men that were sent in there. Uh, The... Some guys that worked for Pharaoh uh, did some bad stuff, and they were trying to figure out who it was. See, probably the chief taster uh, had some stuff that wasn't quite right and fell over dead. Did his job. Stinks. Bummer. Uh, So they said, Pharaoh said, hey, uh, it was one of two people. It was either my cupbearer or it was the baker. Until I figure this out, you're going to go to jail. So they're in jail. They're distraught. Well, Joseph comes upon them, and they had happened to have a dream that night. And he says, hey, I can't help you out, but God can. And I'll, give, I'll tell you what these dreams mean. He's going to tell you what these dreams mean. So he lets him know exactly and precisely what they mean. 
that in three days, he goes, hey, in three days, you're all good. You're going to be raised up out of this place. You're going to be put back in your position. You're going to be free. It's going to be awesome. You're working for Pharaoh. Awesome. You, in three days, you're going to die. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, you're going to be impaled and birds are going to eat your face. It's just going to be really ugly and gross. And he tells him this, so he turns back to the other guy. Okay, you, I need you to, because you're okay. Sorry. I need to talk to you, because uh, you're going to be around, and uh, I need you to tell Pharaoh, hey, I'm innocent. I'm just a dude that uh, got accused of some things I didn't do, and will you give me my freedom? So remember me, because this is going to happen, and so when it does, tell Pharaoh. Sorry. Uh, <clears throat> got it? So <laughs> these three days go back by, and exactly what he said was going to happen, happened, Right? It was awkward for three days at least. But then it really happened, and uh, this guy was raised up, right? So this is what brings us to this point. That's chapter uh, 40. So now we're going to 41. The first uh, 41, verse 41, excuse me, chapter 41, verse 1. says, when two full years had passed. (laughs) What? Can you imagine what that was like? All right, so this just happened. The, The next day, can you imagine day one after this actually happens? Uh, he's sitting there, and he's probably like the most excited prison mate ever uh, because he's like going to get his freedom. He's got all his stuff wrapped up, which is just a few items. He's ready to go. He's waiting for him to come down and release him because uh, the cupbearer is going let to let Pharaoh know, hey, by the way, here's your stuff. Thanks for putting me back in this position. There's a dude. He didn't really do anything. Would you let him go? Uh, so he's like totally ready for this to happen, and day one goes by and nothing. No worries. It's not a big deal. Probably got back, needed to see family. Everybody was worried and, you know, hugs and stuff. And he has a lot going on. Day two, still super excited. This is the day. This has got to be it. Nothing. Okay, no big deal. I mean, he's going back to work now. He probably had to fill out new paperwork for work and get back through orientation and everything and make sure everything was good. So just red tape to go through. There was just stuff going on. Day three, nothing. Well, man, Day 17, nothing. Day 56, nothing. Day 200, nothing. But at this point, I can imagine he's pretty dejected. Two years. When two full years had passed, verse 1, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile. When out of the river came up seven cows, sleek and fat, they gazed amongst the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those at the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. <laughs> I would wake up too. <laughs> so Pharaoh, in his dream, is now suddenly in front of the Nile. This is the uh, lifeblood of this area. This is what's giving uh, the, the lifeblood to his nation, to his kingdom here. And suddenly he's seeing bubbles come out of the water and big horns kind of floating out and like big noses and and like catches you off guard a little bit. Be like, well, that's not supposed to happen. Uh, This is like crazy. What did I eat last night? This dream is nuts. And now they're standing there looking at him. And then what happens next is these crazy, ugly, like sucked in, bulgy eyed, like weird zombie cows come out. And uh, not only are they hanging out and you're like, whoa, crazy, uh, they, they eat them. Right. <laughs> they just start chopping them up. I would wake up at that point too and be like, what is wrong with me? That was a really bad dream. Uh, and it's one of those dreams that like you really do remember. But like, you know, you wake up in the morning, you're like, I had a really weird dream last night. And they're like, oh yeah, what was it? I don't remember. 
You totally do because it was that weird, but you ain't going to tell anybody. So he woke up. He says in verse 5, he fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing in a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. Then the seven heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them of this dream, but no one could interpret them for him. So the second dream happens. I mean, he's already hurting pretty bad from the first one. And really, it's like, it's kind of crazy. The wheat, it comes up. It's really like a granola war. It's not as intense as the cows to me. But uh, he wakes up and he's like, this is not okay. Uh, And so... He says, hey, I am not going back to sleep again. I need to pull the wisest people, the magicians, whoever can figure this out, because something spoke to me. Something, some sort of spirit, some kind of God, something, something's happening in my life, in my head right now, and I ain't going to sleep again until I can figure that out. So this is what he did. He pulled them together. He looked around this room. He tells his dream, and he's like, and so, and they all looked at him, and this was their response. Can you tell us the one part one more time? <laughs> Nothing. I mean, like, if you had given him a business card one day and says, hey, I will be a consultant for you, he's pulled you in. Like, he's pulling anything and everything into that room right then, and they got nothing. I mean, because partially they don't want to give, like, the wrong answer and end up in jail. But the wisest the world has, the best the world has from all over the place, has nothing to say about this. And this goes to the first fill-in in your uh, program there. It's uh, life's answers are found in the word, not the world. And so this is what I want to tell you, and I hope that you guys can grasp this, because I really think this is us. I think this is a lot of us. This, is, this has been me. This is just a handful of us. And this is what I want to explain to you about life's answers being found in the word, not the world. This is the word I'm talking about. See, the Bible is a blueprint on how to live your life. It's a blueprint on how to live your life. You want to know how to be a man, how to be a real man? It tells you in here. It tells you it's not about taking care of number one. It's about taking care of others. That's how you get to be a real man. You want to know how to be a woman, a good woman? It's in here. I don't know that much about it because I don't read that much as, as much, but it's in here. Uh, no, but it's in there about true beauty, about the inside. It tells, you that, it tells you that you have a purpose for the kingdom of God and what it is and who you are. And that no matter what a mirror says or a magazine cover says, that's not what it's about. You want to deal with your singleness? This is how. It tells you how in here. It's got a blueprint for that. Here's how you deal with your singleness. You have a God that wants to give you an amazing sex life. He wants to protect you. He wants to provide for you, and he wants to keep you whole. Mentally, emotionally, socially, spiritually, physically, because that's how he's wired us, according to his instructions. Otherwise, you're going to get burned. You're going to get ripped off. Your heart's going to get ripped out. Otherwise, you're going to feel like less than. Otherwise, you're going to feel like you don't have as much to offer. You want to be one of those people that's crazy and gets married? <laughs> All right, let's take one sinner and then add another to the mix and really see what happens. Yeah, great. It tells you in here, right? The Bible says here, let me give you some instructions. 
marriage is not going to be easy. It can be wonderful, but it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take selflessness. It's going to take patience. It means going against what the world says. You don't get married to fulfill your own desires. You get married to fill their desires. Two people trying to reach one another 100%, not 50, because it won't work. It's a blueprint. It has your answers. The Bible says, hey, I know you might be feeling like suddenly like, hey, that person that I married isn't God's will for my life. You know, things are kind of just weird. Uh, No, he is. She is. Uh, The Bible says you're not going to like it. Uh, But as soon as you said, I do, he did or she did became God's will for your life. And you say, "But, but my marriage is cold. It's rotten. It's dead. It's hopeless. And the Bible says, here's how to get the spark back. Here's how to flam, flame, fan that flame into a spark. Here's how to get love back into your marriage. But you're going to meet people in this world that says, hey, I know, it's kind of tough. You've tried. It's time to pull the ripcord and, and just be done. And they come from good people. And they even come, some of them come from spiritual people. But you've got to say, are you kidding me? Come on. You're just going to be done like that? Let's look at what this says. You have Christians that sit back and say, honey, I know what God says, but this is where we go wrong. I think it's just time. And that's where Pharaoh's at. He's got the best the world can offer. He's got everyone's opportunity to give them an opinion. This is their chance. The best of the best are there. You, you, you're going to be bothered, it says in here, by finances. You're going to be bothered by your health. Oh, you want to raise kids? Let me tell you about that. I'll tell you how to raise the best kids. You want to be on top of things? It's in here. And I have found, and please come up to me later or write me a note in the comments, I have found there is nothing in my life that I cannot find an answer for in here. Pharaoh had an answer to his dreams. He had someone who knows God's, the word of God, and he's chained up in a dungeon. Pharaoh's looking for all of his answers and the best the world has to offer. Have you been there? So many Christians, you know, we call ourselves Christians, but we keep this, God's word, chained up somewhere in our lives. So many of us do. Chained up in our lives, we put it in a little dungeon, and we search we begin to search through life, through relationships, and job after job after job and thing. And we've tried to find things that will fill and satisfy us in the entire time. We know right where it's locked up. We just haven't let it loose in our lives. We haven't let God have control over every aspect of our life. And he's coming up empty. Have you been there? Nightmares happen when we let the world determine our dreams. Nightmares happen when we let the world determine our dreams. You want your dreams to become a nightmare? Just keep following what the world says. Just go, keep going after more, trying to fill this. Keep pursuing more. You'll never find contentment. You want the American nightmare? Follow the world's plan for success. 
You see it, I mean, especially nowadays with social media and everything else, you can see everything that's going on. You see the richest people and they're unhappy. You see the most popular people and their marriages aren't good. We think if we just had a little bit more, if we just had a little bit more. Okay, I'm done with that. Moving on. <laughs> uh, verse 9, it comes in, it says, after he's told this dream, he says, Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. <laughs> That's awesome. Two years! <laughs> Two years later, and he's listening to this, and all of a sudden he's like, Oh, snap! <laughs> I'm reminded of my shortcomings. Man, for two years I've been like, there's something I was just supposed to say. There's some, it's around the tip of my tongue. Back on, I can't remember what that was. <laughs> two years. How do you forget? Can you imagine this? I mean, I think this is where God's hand's really in this, right? You don't forget something like that. I mean, this is the, that guy's testimony. This is like everything for him. You get put in jail, you're probably most likely going to die. You're not sure what's going on. You have a dream. You talk to a dude, and he tells you exactly what's going to happen down to the T about you and the other guy, and it does? You don't forget about that. I mean, you're telling everybody. But this is where God, I think, was protecting Joseph because if it was Joseph's timing, if it was God get me out of here now, and it was his, if it could be his timing, Joseph's will be done. Free me from this place. I believe that he would have just thrown his bag over his shoulder and began a long walk home and gone right back to shepherding. But God's saying, I know you're not going to like this. I need two more years because what I have planned for you is going to blow shepherding out the water. And I don't like it either. I don't like it either because maybe it means that there's going to be times in our life or a time even right now a place in our life where God has me exactly where he wants me, even though it's really not where I want to be. And that's where I have to say, okay, I take my hands off the wheel. I can't do this. I'm going to pray like crazy like Joseph did. God, get me out of this hole. But if you decide to leave me here, if you decide me decide to leave me here, you better give me what I need because I am not having a good day. So it continues. Pharaoh, once he hears this, once he said, Pharaoh once was angry with his servants. The, uh, the cupbearer said, he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had had a dream the same night and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us and servants of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams and he interpreted them for us. Each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position and the other man was impaled. Right. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When, he had shaved, when they had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Can you imagine this moment? I mean, he's been sitting there waiting for this and suddenly, uh, all of a sudden, there's this ruckus and they start working their way down there and it's like, oh my gosh, something happened. What's going on? It's been two years. I'm not thinking it's him. They scoop him up, they grab him and they start giving him a bath. Whoa, <laughs> what's happening? And then they shave him. They get rid of his beard uh, that he'd been combing with his hands for years. They make him look like an Egyptian. In all reality, he looks presentable and good to go in front of Pharaoh. And he's learning now that this is my chance. He's been waiting for this for two years. Don't blow it. You're in front of Pharaoh. This is your opportunity for freedom. So it brings us to verse 15. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream. No one can interpret it, but I have heard it said that you, 
that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Don't blow it, Joseph. Verse 16, I can't do it. What? (laughs) Smooth move, buddy. (laughs) You just blew it. I can't do it, Joseph said to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Thirteen years ago, 13 years ago, he spent none of his 20s freedom, but 13 years ago, he was great. 17, he was powerful. He was the man. One day you're going to bow down to me. I'm awesome. 13 years later, what he has learned is he's not awesome. He's not the man, but God is great. See, trials can make or break your relationship with God. Trials that you have in your life will make and break that relationship. And trials that you have that are, they feel like these crises or even small moments in your life, they can make, they can grow you and bond you closer together or they can fracture and it can break it apart. And I don't know what you're going through today, but what we do in the midst of what's going on can get us closer to God. What you do in the midst of other broken relationships with God can get you all closer to God and all closer together. And you would think that Joseph wouldn't even want to use the G word, right, <laughs> right now. I mean, if anybody's got, like, this opportunity to say, no, thank you, it's him. For 13 years, he's been enslaved. He was sold off. He's been in a dungeon now and waited. Said, God, where are you? Thing after thing has happened. I mean, gosh, can you give me a break? He wouldn't even want to use the G word right now in the midst of his life. But in the midst of this, he's realized that really, the G is all he's got. God is all he's got. Give you a little math equation. Trials plus time plus trust equals great faith. Trials plus time plus trust equals great faith. At 17, he had gifts and he had talents, but he didn't have character. And the problem is in our life a lot of times is we are searching for happiness. What's going to make me happy? That's what I'm going to do. And God's plan for our life is holiness. And from that comes joy. Verse 17, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream I was standing on the bank of the Nile, when out of the river came up seven fat cows, sleek, uh, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and very lean. I'd never seen such ugly cows. They were really disgusting. It was gross. They were ugly in the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows and came first. But then after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They still looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dream, I saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. Then the thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians and everyone else, but none of them could explain it to me. So then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God revealed to Pharaoh what he's about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean cows, ugly cows that came up afterwards the seven years, are also the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as you said, Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. Seven years of great abundance is coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance of Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. 
The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. And now let Pharaoh, this is his turn. (laughs) Hey, buddy, all right, I told you about God, my turn. Now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land and take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years and the coming up to store the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all the officials, so Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone else like this man who's, whom is the Spirit of God? He looked around and says, wow, pff, that was a pretty good plan. Anybody else got that? Okay, hey, <laughs> you're the guy. And it says this, this is the first time we hear this in the Bible. He said, can we find anyone like this man, one whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace. All my people are to submit to your orders with, only with respect to the throne will be greater than you. He waited and look what God did. Man, it took so long. What a great story. It's our story. <laughs> Because God says, look at it. This is what it looks like. There's a, a great quote out there. Many of you guys have heard. It says, live li- a life that demands an explanation. Heard it? Live a life that demands an explanation. To follow it up a little bit, then give one. Don't just live it. Give it. Did you bow your heads? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California.